Hey, welcome to another episode of the DC Beer Show. I'm Richard, and I'm here with good old Mike Stein. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Hey, Richard. I'm doing great. Greetings out there in Beery Beerland. Glad to have you back for another news-filled, important, content-rich episode. Yep. So this episode, what we're going to talk about is uh, what's going on in the news, uh, what events are happening here in the DMV, uh, a few of the uh, top events happening over the course of the next week. And then we're going to end the show with uh, me and my cohort, Adam, having a really great conversation with Kofi, the founder of Sankofa. And you're going to hear a little bit about how to start a brewery without building a brewery. Oh, that's excellent. I'm very excited to hear. All right, Mike, tell us what's going on in the world of beer and craft brewing. So in the beery world and the fermentation universe, uh, we have some news bits. Last week was actually a pretty content-rich week, not a ton of uh, shockers. But per the Washington Post, Fritz Hahn, Silver Spring has arrived as a place for beer. Yes, it has. Woo! Woo! Good job, Silver Spring. His article, quote, the Washington area's hottest new beer destination is downtown Silver Spring, end quote, recommends three breweries there. He writes, quote, over the past six months, downtown Silver Spring has become a legitimate craft beer destination. Side note, I don't think they were an illegitimate destination before, but now they are a legitimate destination. (laughs) Denizens Brewing planted the seed in 2014 and has nurtured it with years of festivals and events. But the October opening of Astrolab and the recent arrival of Silver Branch have given the neighborhood momentum. More important, each brewery delivers a different experience, from the styles of beer on tap to the atmosphere in the outdoor seating areas, end quote. So Fritz really had a deep dive here into the three uh, separate breweries to check out in Silver Spring, so we thank him for his service to the beer scene. And we mm-hmm. will say that um, we have found his writing to be true in regards to the quality of beer coming out of Silver Spring, which speaks greater lengths at the quality of beer in the overall District of Columbia or Metro DC, it's on the rise. Right. It's getting high, which means it's harder to start a brewery. You better come with that fire. Don't bring the nonsense, or we're going to know if your beer is not of quality. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can say, I mean, if you've been listening to this show for a while, and back when it was the Brew Daddies before before we became the DC Beer Show, you'll know that Adam and I, you know, are we live very close to Silver Spring, and Silver Spring is a is a hangout of ours, and we've had all of those breweries on the show. Um, last week we had Denizens. We were talking to Julie and Jeff at Denizens. We're going to have uh, a conversation with Julie and Jeff on an upcoming episode about their new Riverdale Park Station location. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I make it a point to at least once a month have a weekend uh, brewery crawl starting at Silver Branch, then going mm-hmm. to Astrolab, ending up at Denizens, and then taking a – Nice, leisurely 40-minute walk home. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So the next news item uh, comes off the news of last week. Many district residents are crying in their beer. Actually, it's It's, probably just me. I don't know that It's a lot of us. Okay. All right. That's good to feel feel others crying in their beer, too. But we are crying because of the loss of Meridian Pint. Per DC Beer Editor Jake Berg... Pint now officially gone, and both Jace and Johnny said that opening a beer-centric place in D.C. is no longer enough. What is enough? Discuss. As Berg, doing him best, his best Mike Myers uh, coffee talk <laughs> impressions, says discuss. So I put the discussion, uh, continued it with D.C. beer contributor John Flurry, who responded to Berg's question and told me, I'm not sure anything is enough right now. 
We have so many restaurants opening, yet barely a population increase. Simple numbers seem to me that there's too many options and not enough people to go out. So Flurry thinks it's a, a number of a, a matter of mathematics. You know, too many uh, restaurants, not enough people. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to disagree with that slightly. Sure. I don't think it's too many restaurants and not enough people. I'm going to say that it, it's no longer exceptional to feature great craft beer mm. in mm-hmm. a restaurant mm-hmm. or bar. And that's, yeah. I think, the difference. I mean, you have a place like Meridian Pint that that – you know, when they opened, it was Church Key and Meridian Pint, right? Mm-hmm. That was where you could go to have an incredible selection of of craft beers yeah. uh, from around the country and around the world, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, now, you know, almost not almost any bar, but there is a huge number of bars and restaurants mm-hmm. for you know that keep craft beer yeah. uh, on the menu yep. uh, and that focus on on having a good craft beer selection. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mm-hmm. think, the issue that Meridian Pint. I mean, again, I, I don't know all the details, but. Yeah, but I think that I think it's more that the restaurant business is always a challenging business, right? Yeah, the margins forever. are small. Like it will never not be. It always it, has it's been. Just a challenging yeah. business, but 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 the difference is is that trying to be exceptional by having a beer menu doesn't make you exceptional anymore. <laughs> it's become increasingly difficult to do. Right. Yeah. Right. With if that's your call, if that's your if that's what's supposed to drive the traffic, if that's mm-hmm. what's supposed to bring 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 people in, you have this incredible beer menu. People don't have to travel for that anymore. They can get a decent beer menu. Right. You know. No, it's a valid point. I think um, kind of pros and cons. The pro is that we have more great beer around us in D.C., Maryland, Virginia than we ever have. The con is that the specialty of places that feature beer are not so special anymore because mm-hmm. more beer is, is out there. Not to say – Meridian Pint was not a very special place. I mean, taking stock of what they did for the D.C. beer scene, they provided domestic American-made craft beer, uh, a place to sell half barrels and sixtals and bottles Mm -hmm. and cans and sell it. They did. I mean, we we had a a former – a friend of the show who was recalling on Twitter walking over double stacks of kegs, you know, a half barrel on top of half barrel just to get to the back – back of the cold box. Mm-hmm. And if you think about what that means for for local producers, you know, in Maryland, DC and Virginia, they're not going to have an outlet to move all those kegs. They're going to have to diversify and sell more kegs to more restaurants comparatively to just selling a ton of kegs right to one spot, which is what John Andrade uh, said in in, you know, to the press, which was we used to have these great turnouts for Meet the Brewer, for Tap Takeovers. Uh-huh. These events just don't have the buzz they once did, and therefore where you might expect to pure spitballing here, but let's say move, you know, a dozen kegs in an evening, you're moving six and then there's more kegs left over. But in its height, the pint just ripped through American craft beer and really oh, yeah. did a service. Oh, yeah. I mean, they built this this scene. I think it's funny, some anonymous commenter from uh, Twitter, I want to say Tampa or Miami, was like, well, I never made it to the pint. I hope to make it to Arlington Pint. But you can't write the story of DC beer without Meridian Pint. And I was like, you've never visited our city. <laughs> but fair enough, fair enough, random internet Twitter. Random internet person. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. a valid take. No. You know, I think they are. They have been part of the story forever. Um, Agreed. Forever Would, being 2011. But, but still. I mean, but that's still. forever. That's forever yeah, in the craft beer ago. world in this town. Yeah. Um, so back onto the topic of, of people and restaurants. Um, the topic was taken on by Washingtonian's Jessica Sidman, whose piece uh, from 419 was titled, Does D.C. Have Too Many Restaurants? That's the wrong question. 
And so she goes on to write, a lot of restaurants have closed in recent weeks, but the culprit isn't simply too much competition. And then she gets in to the nuances of why these restaurants closed. In some cases, the owner had uh, personal health issues or family issues. Sometimes it was monetary. Different reasons. So it's very hard to look at all these closings and then uh, assign one reason for all of them shutting down to it. Um, But she says the culprit isn't simply too much competition. But speaking of competition, Hard Seltzer continues its meteoric rise with more companies announcing their go at the beer market. And I can remember uh, a few years ago, I'm not sure how many, the Brewers Association launching their uh, sort of pie-in-the-sky goal of 20% of the beer overall beer market by 2020. It's becoming increasingly clear that the craft uh, breweries of America, all 7,500 of them, are not going to take 20% of the beer pie. But it's interesting to see how the pie has been sliced. As of late, hard seltzer is taking some beer dollars, one could argue, it has been argued. And so it's interesting to see that um, you know hard seltzer continues to sell, 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 but um, people are getting more health conscious. You know, health conscious drinks, drinks about health, and act, act, you know, active drinks for an active lifestyle are are continuing. Um, so the riffs on the theme are including now hard kombucha and CBD infused, no or low alcohol and low caloric hard seltzer. Um, actually, just last week, the DC Beer Inbox had a press release from the Athletic Brewing Company out of Connecticut, who manufactures under 0.5 percent ABV beer saying Athletic Brewing Company is proud to announce that they have partnered with the AVP, Association of Volleyball Professionals, Pro Tour, to sponsor five tournaments nationwide this season. So it's not just making a low, under half percent ABV beer, and and from what they say, they're, you know, the reviews, uh, Jeff Allworth spoke with them and had some of their IPA and their stout and was really impressed with the quality of the beer, so it's not just sort of the overcooked uh, pale lager that, right. you know, we, yeah. we used to have to to drink. Uh, but, it, you know, the no or low alcohol beers are really getting interesting and they're touring, you know, they're they're providing beer for the tour of the Association of Volleyball Professionals. They've got some, you know, Olympic gold medal winners, heavy hitters on that tour. So beer is now, not the beer at the beach is a new thing, but, right. <laughs> but they're on tour with the volleyball professionals um, pouring, you know, from New York to California. And uh, it really is an opportunity to make that active lifestyle come into the building of these beer brands. At the Craft Brewers Conference, we saw hard seltzer, uh, another release called Pacer, a low-alcohol hard seltzer from Craft Brew Alliance. That's a little bit different because it's lower ABV than some of the other hard seltzers that are out there. And then Peak Organic is releasing its hard seltzer called Highball, H-I-G-H-B-A-L-L. Okay, we'll see how that goes. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm taking a very specific position on the hard seltzer. Are you drawing a line in the sand? No, I, okay. it's it, a lot of this is cyclical, right? So this idea of sort of like more drinkable alcoholic beverages, yeah, comes and goes. When I was uh, in high school, right in the early '80s, it was. Wine coolers, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the guys yeah. drank shitty beer <laughs> and the girls drank wine coolers. Right. You know, and we were all underage, but that's not the point. <laughs> that was kind of, even into college, right? Um, and then, you know, in the 90s, it was like 
trying to remember what was it? Zima. Do you remember it was Zima? Zima? It, yep. you know, uh, Smirnoff Ice. Uh, Smirnoff Ice and things <laughs> like that. So, so I think it's not that this isn't unusual. There's right. always as as beverages advance and the climate evolves mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. There's always sort of a oh, we need a lighter, yeah, fruitier, fresher. I think cyclical is the best word to describe it. Yeah, um, they're more drinkable because they're lighter, mm-hmm. sometimes less in alcohol, mm-hmm. sometimes less in calories. They're sweeter, certainly is the case, um, you know, with, with FMB, with flavor malt beverages. And so, yeah, it really is a return. Yeah. I think, um, what, yeah, what we're starting to see is, is the rise of health consciousness infused into that, too. It's interesting, you know, the guys drink shitty beer and, and, the, and the girls were drinking... Uh, uh, wine coolers, it's interesting to see um, gender norms sort of starting to change with the time, right. which is refreshing, yeah. quite frankly. Because all you had to do, you know, then in the 80s was be a lady ordering a beer. Like, oh, wow, that's, you know, gender bending. <laughs> Whoa. Not at all. But you get the case made where a ton of people are drinking hard seltzer. I was talking to the buyer, one buyer at a uh, wine beer spirit store down me in Navy Yard, and he was like, yeah, the bros are crushing White Claw. They are just coming. And, you know, maybe in the 80s, you wouldn't have seen the bros ordering wine coolers, right? Maybe there was. Yeah. And I think that was a good way to get harassed. Right, right, (laughs) right. Yeah. Um, But so another interesting uh, tidbit in our news box from last last week, we were told uh, via presser that Narragansett Dell Shandy brand is continuing its production run with a new line, Watermelon Shandy. Thanks to Crystal Ball, founder of DC Metro Girls Pint Out, we know Dell's Watermelon Shandy was at the Salt Line Friday, so you can actually check Mm. it out. Call ahead, but then order some delicious seafood from Chef Kyle Bailey at the Salt Line, who's doing great things to um, revive efforts to keep uh, seafood fresh and have sustainable fish farming. so Crystal tells us that Watermelon Shandy is there. Uh, of course, D.C. Metro Girls Pine Out is the local chapter of the National Craft Beer Organization uh, Girls Pine Out, uh, which are set up for women to enjoy happy hours, tastings, and other events that build community around a love of beer. So if you're a lady and you love craft beer, check out on Twitter at DMV Girls Pine Out. Or get online, see all the chapters at girlspineout.org. If you're listening out there in Beerland, maybe you're halfway across the country, there are Girls Pine Out chapters for you. There's also a podcast for you. It's right here right now. So th- <laughs> thanks <laughs> for right. tuning in. All right. I got a question about the Shandies. Yes. Real quick. Yes. What do you, what's your opinion of Shandy? I very much enjoy Shandy. As a type 1 diabetic, my blood sugar does not enjoy shandy Ah, as much as I enjoy it. So, of course, this beer, uh, Gansett's, is 4.7 ABV, Mm -hmm. which is really unique because their Narragansett lager is 5% ABV. Um, So I haven't done the math. I need to reach out to a Gansett brewer and say, hey, what's the residual sugar in here? Because that's really what it does to spike blood sugar is how much sugar is left in the liquid after fermentation. So if it's a post-blend, which it probably is, then you're getting some juice in there. But um, if not, you know, I'm down with the dry shandy. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of shandy, to be honest with you. It's yeah. Especially in the summertime, obviously, very refreshing. And uh, it's it's my preferred s- sort of day in the sun yeah. kind of drinking because it's very difficult to drink. You can't drink IPAs. You can't drink 7% beer yeah. all day at the beach. No, you, know? you certainly can't. You really can't or at the pool, you know. So shandies are a nice way to... And it's interesting to note the zippierness. Uh, that's definitely not a word, but how American <laughs> models are zippier. Four point seven, not mm-hmm. a strong beer, but a lot of the German stuff is coming in under three percent ABV or just a hair over three. So almost a whole percentage point higher in the U.S. I'm wondering 
What's your preference? Lemonade blend? I like uh, the grapefruit? ginger. Ginger. Ginger shandies. There's a Caribbean company, I can't remember what it's called now, mm-hmm. that makes a really nice ginger beer shandy nice. kind of thing. There's also, well, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> There's somebody producing a really nice alcoholic ginger beer mm. that I, we want to talk to and I want to learn cool. more about, but I haven't had it yet. I've just yeah. heard of it. It's come across, come across the desk. All right. Um, so we'll sample the product and, and we'll get uh, the – We'll get back. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if you know the, the Ur story of Shandy about the cyclists. Mm-hmm. Radler. So, mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. right, German Radler means cyclist. Yeah. Right, right, um, right, right. Well, tell the, tell the listeners just yeah. in case the other folks don't. So it's hard to tell if this is apocryphal or not. I need to do the research. But Garrett Oliver was in town, I think, last year because he wrote the intro. Garrett Oliver from Brooklyn Brewery, uh, he wrote the intro to the World Atlas of Beer, National Geographic's World Atlas of Beer. And he told it there, so I'm going to tell it here, which is right. that there was a large tour of cyclists coming through, I believe it was a German uh, Alpen uh, village, you know, uh, going through the mountains. And the, the tavern, the cellar, keeper was like, oh shit, I have 100 cyclists and only 50 barrels of beer and they can each drink one barrel per, you know, don't quote me on the ratios. but (laughs) And so he said, what am I going to do? I have 50 barrels of beer and 50 lemonade kegs. (gasps) Light bulb. I'm going to blend the barrel of beer with the barrel of lemonade and then I'll have 100 barrels of beer instead of 50 and thus the day was saved. The beer went from Again, don't quote me, a 4% beer down to a 2% beer, you know, if he's doing a, an even ratio of beer and juice, uh, lemonade. And basically the day was saved. The cyclists were hydrated, more hydrated, I guess, presumably because they had juice than beer. Someday I will get with a scientist to actually do the research. I mean, less alcohol, less intoxication. That is just science. You can't argue that. Right. But, you know, what did he blend and who was this innkeeper? Uh, it, was it his wife? Perhaps she knew better than yes. him, right? And he's been taking the apocryphal credit all these years. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of brews that are lower in alcohol, want to let the listeners know that there's a new column at dcbeer.com that uh, you guys should check out. It's called Small Steins with Stein. Tell oh, us a little bit about that. Yeah. I'm so excited for Small Steins with Stein. So this this uh, piece is basically a weekly recurring piece about small beer because, as I mentioned before, I'm a huge fan of small beer. Um, being a type 1 diabetic or person with diabetes, PWD is now the <laughs> preferred phrase. I like beer with less alcohol, less calories and carbs in them, and I see no shame in that. The difficulty, of course, is making a clean, easy-drinking beer that you want to return to. And so the focus of this feature is really on the producers in D.C., uh, and spreading to Maryland and Virginia, Metro D.C. area that make easy drinking, lighter beers, beers that are 5% ABV, thereabouts or under. And so we're starting out with the breweries of uh, the D.C. Brewers Guild, those who are members, um, and then branching out into uh, you know metro, the Metro D.C. area over state lines. Uh, and basically what's of great import to me is that you go try these beers in their element. Right. Excellent. Well, uh, first one it was published just a couple of days ago, uh, and we'll start seeing those coming out pretty much every Monday awesome. uh, from now on. So excited about that. Anything else in the news, or should we move on to the events this week? Let's get on to events. Okay. There's a lot happening this week in the DMV, in the craft beer scene. Uh, first of all, tomorrow, Thursday... April 25th at Lost and Found on 9th Street near Mount Vernon Square. They'll be celebrating Diamondback Brewing Company from Baltimore with a 10-tap takeover uh, of some old favorites and new releases. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Diamondback was started in 2016 doing small batch beers towards sort of one-off 
styles. Um, their brew house is about eight and a half barrels, uh, and uh, they've really be- started to do a lot of interesting stuff in the last couple of years. So uh, they're going to have 10 beers at Lost and Found starting at 4 p.m. Thursday, April 25th. Uh, go check out some great brews from Diamondback Brewing Company up in Baltimore. And then also on uh, Thursday, the 25th, Church Key is bringing in Plan B Farm Brewery from Poughkeepsie, New York. For upstate New York in the Hudson Valley, Plan B converted an old barn from the 1830s into a working farm brewery. Uh, they source 100% of the ingredients from New York State. It's really quite remarkable. They are a brewery in and of themselves. Um, as my old high school math teacher, Ron Rothenberg, used to say, Poughkeepsie has way too many letters in it. <laughs> well, Plan B Brewery has way too much effort in their beer, some might argue, in the day where you can just pull ingredients out of, uh, out of a catalog, and indeed we do as homebrewers off Amazon mm-hmm. or a mail-order brewery site. These guys are really, really doing it. These men and women have apiaries on their estate. They, they have uh, a lot of places to source their ingredients. So get to Church Key on the 25th. It really is a unique brewery. You will not be disappointed pointed with the offerings. Yeah, um, I, I'm excited about that one. So 4 to 11 p.m. at Church Key on the 25th. Friday night, uh, the 26th, this is a big deal, I think. The Evening Star Cafe in Alexandria is uh, having the first launch of Black Narrows Brewing Company in the region. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have six beers from Black Narrows, uh, and Josh Chapman, the, the co-founder and head brewer at Black Narrows, will be there to talk about those. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who don't know who Josh is, Josh uh, started out as a sous chef at Evening Star Cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he went on to be the head brewer at Blue Jacket mm-hmm. before he and his wife moved down to Chincoteague Island yep. to open uh, – to found Black Narrows Brewing Company. Yeah. So Yeah, it's really quite remarkable. Mr. Chapman is uh, a bit of a local legend here in the D.C. brewing scene because mm-hmm. he got Blue Jacket up and running. Before he really helped out Blue Jacket uh, in its seminal first few years, he was at Evening Star Cafe. So this is really full circle. He's returning to the restaurant where he started at. I believe he actually lived yep. in the apartment above the Evening Star That's Cafe true. in the Delray neighborhood of Alexandria. Yep. Now, to my knowledge, Mr. Chapman has no historical connection no uh, familial lineage to John Chapman, Johnny Appleseed, mm-hmm. but he has, in a way, uh, spread seeds throughout um, you know Eastern Maryland, and is actually working uh, very heavily with farmers on the Eastern Shore to grow barley specifically for them. They use uh, Maryland-grown hops. So Josh really puts his money where his mouth is in terms of local beer. Uh, another one, Ala. Plan B uh, from Poughkeepsie, New York, who really is, uh, you know, walking the walk, not just talking the talk, you know, by local, not just because it's good and the beer is quality, but because we're actually putting time and effort back into the community to work with farmers. You know, it's part of an agricultural movement. It's more than just beer. Right. Yep. No, it's fantastic. So Evening Star Cafe on Friday nights, uh, this all starts at five o'clock. They're going to have a uh, a sour blonde ale with peaches, an oyster goza, yeah. uh, and an imperial stout with cocoa nibs, among several others. So definitely, if you can get yeah. down to Delray to check that out, it's it's going to be worth it. Nice. Uh, just a couple more things on the calendar. Saturday, Caboose Brewing Company uh, out in Virginia is uh, having their Spring Fest, their very first spring party. They're going to have uh, nine craft breweries, including themselves in the beer garden, live music. 
uh, smoked barbecue by their executive chef. Uh, they'll have authentic German beer steins, uh, games, all family friendly. Bring your dogs. Uh, you can keep them on the patio. Sweet. They're going to have Ono Brewing Company, Vazen Brewing Company, Rocket Frog, Mad Fox, Greenbrier Valley, Settle Down Easy Brewing, Forge Brew Works, Lake Am Brew House, and of course their own beer from Caboose. That starts at noon on Saturday. Uh, you should nice. definitely, if you're going to be out there, check that out. Yeah, sounds that like sounds, a nice day. Yeah, fantastic. And then finally, of course, DC Beer is happy to continue sponsoring the Tuesday Brews Days at Kramer Bar and Cafe in DuPont Circle. Starting at 7 p.m., 18 different beers are half price, uh, including uh, limited edition special run drafts. They got dollar wings. That's 7 o'clock to close at Kramer's Bar and Cafe in DuPont Circle. Um, you can get the details about all of these and dozens of other craft beer events at dcbeer.com. Just click on the calendar link on the site, and you can see everything happening in the DMV. So listen, I can't wait uh, to have everybody here. Uh, the conversation that Adam and I got to have with Sankofa. Uh, uh, Kofi at Sankofa is doing some really interesting stuff and taking a completely different approach to, to creating beers. So uh, enjoy the interview. And now it's time for something completely different. Hey, brewery lovers. Welcome back to the DC Beer Show. This is Richard, and I'm here with my friend... Adam. And today we're here with Kofi Moreau. Exactly, yeah. Great. The co-founder and head brewer of Sankofa Brewing Company. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Oh, thanks for making it. Thanks for coming. Yeah. So... You know, Sankofa's, you guys are completely different than any other uh, brewery that we've ever talked to in the way that you've done everything. So this is going to be, I think, a really interesting conversation. Um, let's get right down to it. How did Sankofa get started? Like, how did this come about for you? And you and uh, your co-founder is Amado, right? Yeah, yeah. So Amato unfortunately, Car- Amado couldn't uh, be able to make it, but he told me to drink his share in beer today. So uh, <laughs> I, will, right. I will be sure to do that. Um no, but again, thank you guys for having us. Um, so, I mean, we're, our story is um, very different, as you said, but not so different than a lot of other, uh, you know, beer brands and breweries that have uh, come up recently. We are home brewers. Um, we uh, went to college in different places. He went to University of Maryland. I went to University of Massachusetts. Um, before that, and I'm sure we'll dig into it, but before that, we had uh, both grown up in West Africa um, and spent considerable time growing up there. But... Um, through college, kind of got exposed to beer. Uh, you know, you kind of you kind of acquire that uh, flavor profile and that taste for it. Um, and it wasn't really until I was about 21 where I was, you know, going into liquor stores and being comfortable about being in there that I started to realize that there was a beer section. There were all these different beers and not just the three or four that I had been exposed to and thought that that was the world of beer, but um, got really interested in that. And so thought I had become a connoisseur over my last year in, in, in college and got out of school and said, oh, well, you know, I've got this taste for great beer and I've got to maintain this profile. But just out of just, again, just continuing to be curious, I would want to go out to all these breweries and all these places. And, you know, this is back in uh, 2010 or so when it was it was booming. Um, didn't have a lot of money in my pocket. Um, and so 
at some point within the you know within a year or two of being out of college, I had like bought a kid. I had bought um, you know John Palmer's book, and I was like, oh, I'm all about it. You know, read the first read the first <laughs> chapter, and I was a pro, right? Right. <laughs> um, so that that's kind of how we got into it, though. And um, you know, the first couple years, it's been about eight years now. The first couple years were just you know, how do I copy this style and make it taste good? Um, you know, how do I get certain things? You know, how do I get comfortable doing certain uh, parts of the process and um, eventually, we became more confident um, in what we were doing and started to talk to more people and started to build some relationships in the beer community and started to see that, um, yes, you know, there are those classic styles that are out there that are good to make, but beer is very personal. Um, it's, and, and as you start to travel, you start to realize it's very local. And when we got a lot more serious about, you know, not even the company yet, but just more serious about wanting to really make quality beer, we leaned back on the things that inspired us, which was our upbringing. And that's when we started to experiment with, um, you know, I'd call my mom and say, hey, you're, you're, you're coming in like 30 days, aren't you? Can you go down to the market? Because my parents still live in Ghana. You know, can you go down to the market and like, you know, grab this and grab that and just, you know, stick it in your shoes or something. And, 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 and that's, kind of, that's kind of how it started, um, just experimenting with all these different ingredients from back home. Um, and uh, that's ultimately what Sankofa Beer Company is, you know, when we said, well, how do we build a company around this? Like, this is kind of what we've been playing with, but how do we get really serious about this? Ultimately, we wanted to take American craft beer and West African culture or West Africa and put it in a can. And, and that is what Sankofa Beer Company is. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, and, and Sankofa, tell us a little bit about the word Sankofa. Like that's, that's integral to Absolutely. the West African sort of roots that you're bringing into the beer that you're making. And we'll talk a little bit about the beer we're drinking and, and how that goes. But let's start off by just explain what Sankofa is. Yeah, so um, Sankofa is actually, um, it's a word um, from the Ashanti tribe in Ghana. So I spent most of my um, childhood growing up between Nigeria and Ghana. Um, and so in Ghana, um, that's where Sankofa is from, is from a tribe there. But they have, uh, that tribe has this, this, this list of what they call Adinkra symbols. Um, and it's, Sankofa is but one of the many symbols on that list. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a name, each one has a name, and it has a, a, a symbol that um, goes with that name, and they all have a meaning. And so Sankofa for us were, was important because the meaning of Sankofa is in order to build a strong future and in order to move forward into your future, you can't forget your past. Like, you have to know where you're from in order to be able to move into and build a strong future. And so for us, for what we're doing here is trying to be part of the future of craft beer, trying to grow this company, understanding we have a different background than most of the other people who may be doing this. Well, let's not forget where we're from. Let's not forget those things that make us us because I think some people tend to like us. And so, um, and, and, and so, you know, why shouldn't they, why shouldn't they like what we have to bring to the craft beer um, industry? And so that's why that name was kind of uh, important for us. And frankly, I think, you know, everyone has roots somewhere. Right. right, and, right. and so, um, I think these days, you know, things are changing very, very quickly, and um, it can be taboo sometimes to lean back on, like, and just be proud of what your roots are and where you're from. And, and so I think it's something that anyone can really identify with, and, and uh, we found that that is true. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love the way that you guys took that symbol of which, which the, you know, visually uh, of Sankofa is a bird sort of looking behind it uh, with, a, with, a, with an egg yeah. <laughs> uh, in its mouth. Uh, and you adopted and, and you altered that somewhat for, for your hop, logo yeah, by, yeah. by taking the berm and, and replacing yeah. the egg with a, with a hop yeah. um, cone. So I think, I think that's fantastic. And I, and I think it really is interesting to sort of go, 
go back to roots, uh, I think there's a lot of sort of craft beer that does that. It looks back Absolute. at the history of, of, of beer and brewing and you know, uh, the recent rise in Gozas, you know, goes back to a, to a style that was almost completely wiped out that's now coming back. And, and there are, I think, more ways to do that than just going back to sort of the traditional history of brewing, particularly the European history of brewing beer. Um, there are a lot of ways that people can go back and look at their own histories, look at their own backgrounds, look at their own cultures and bring that into craft brewing. So it's really exciting to see you guys yeah. do that. Now, you took a different route than a lot of breweries. First off... Wait, wait a minute. I want to jump in before we go down that path because yes. that, I really want to get into that. I actually want to I want to loop this back into talk about the history and talk about this beer we're drinking right now sure. because I think that's yeah. pretty relevant to the, to this yeah, conversation. So, um I won't say, this wasn't the first uh, ingredient. So this is a hibiscus pale ale we're drinking today. Um, and it's delicious. Yes. Thank you. Thank it you. It is so very delicious. We are drinking um, the famous or infamous, depending on what side you ended up on, um, Hibiscus. It is uh, our flagship beer that's currently out on the market. Um, it's a hibiscus pale ale. I tend to err on the side of simplicity. So really all this is, it's, it's a basic um, pale ale recipe. It's got some great um, Cascade and uh, Centennial hops in there. Um, and then it's got these uh, really robust organic hibiscus flowers. And so, you know, we, we use them at different points throughout the process. But ultimately what we try to impart is this beer that, that seemingly has all these complex characters and all these things in there, but it's a very simple recipe. You know, at the end of the day, we just wanted something that was drinkable, something that was approachable. And, you know, we'll get into that as well. Um, and, and something that you could come back for more. And, uh, you know, we hope we achieve that. Well, well I think you definitely so. did achieve it. I yeah. Think. The hibiscus adds a little bit of what seems like sweetness, but it's perception sweetness it's yeah. not really like it's not malty sweetness you know yeah. it's just this perception of sweetness from the flowers um and it, it adds it very in, refreshing it, too. very refreshing that's what yeah. i was going to say is is it's it's a very it seems lighter than it is um it be, does seem lighter than it because is of, yes. because of that the, yeah. the, the, the hibiscus in here but it's yeah. a really solid pale ale thank you um, thank you thank you just outside of the the interesting hibiscus edition so to kind of really you know answer that question um in West Africa, um, hibiscus is extremely prevalent. It's it, People drink it hot. People drink it cold. You can find it in so many different countries. Um, you know, the more we've kind of explored hibiscus for our own selfish reasons for the beer, I've started to realize it's actually prevalent all over the world. But it's called very – it's called different – it has different names. And, and sometimes you kind of have to say the right name for people to perk up and like, oh, yeah, you know, my mom used to make that or, you know, something like that. Um, but – so having grown up with it, I have it in at home. You know, I, I make right. hibiscus tea every now and then. And so in that evolution where we were getting more confident with our beer and I was less worried about, you know, making sure every little I and T was dotted and kind of more focused on the art and the creativity, um, I went to my cabinet and said, hey, what would happen? And I think we started with an IPA. Um, and, you know, so it was a lot, it was a lot hoppier and we found, um, ended up, 
uh, overpowering the hibiscus, which for me, if you're ever going to add something that's not the basic ingredients, then let it shine. Don't overpower it. Um, and then, and then it seems the, the hops, in my opinion, and the and the hibiscus were at war when you kind of went a little too heavy on the hops. But this is an evolution of that confidence and of that just creativity and saying, hey, like this is something I'm familiar with. I generally know how it works. You know, when you add water to it, so let's let's just see where this goes. Um, and so. You know, we probably, you know, we made this recipe many, 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 many times. Right. But um, the core there was just let's take something we're familiar and we know other people may like um, and see see what happens. Now, does it take a lot of hibiscus to get the flavor out in the beer? Or? No. Um, so uh, if you ever go out and buy hibiscus flowers, um, they, uh, when you put it in hot water, to, it's, it's almost like tea. It, it takes very, very quickly. It has this very deep, especially if you're using like red hibiscus, um, it, 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 it has this very deep color. Um, and so you want to use, use enough such that, because we don't use it for a very long time, um, so you you know because you you don't want to the flavor get the flavors get a little too overpowering when you do that but you want to use enough so that during that time that you are using it you're you're pulling out what you need um, and and not too much but uh, and you don't want to overpower the color too but um, we I have done like you know what I call extreme hibiscus where um, and it, and it's it's a beautiful beer where I mean it's almost purple wow. You just have to use it right so that you're not taking because it has a lot of tannins and that's kind of that that bitterness mm-hmm. that comes and it's almost like a whiny almost and whiny flavor and so you don't want to take too much of that. No, that know. makes sense. Yeah. Definitely makes sense. Yeah, so it, it's adding to the color, the flavor, uh, the aroma. aroma. The aroma, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should get a nice floral aroma from it. Yeah. Yeah, and so looking at uh, how you started back to that, you took a different route than a lot of other places. First off, you used Kickstarter as opposed to trying to get other funding or self-funding. How did that go and what issues did that bring up for you? So Kickstarter was um, an education Um we, So we've, from the very beginning, we've taken a very um, – you know, what I call a step-by-step approach, uh, not trying to put the cart before the horse. Um, and in all steps, you know, each step is almost proof of concept for the next. Um, and so it, you almost have to go back a year before the Kickstarter where I had met um, Bill, who's the owner of uh, Public Option off of Rhode Island Avenue. We had, you know, struck up this friendship and um, he was really interested in this beer that I was telling him about that I was home brewing, which was this hibiscus beer. And um, we ended up um, brewing together. And so uh, I brewed over there. This is back at the end of 2016. Um, you know, we end, yeah, he ended up putting it on his taps. We had a whole launch party around. It and it went very very well. That was that was kind of the last you know kick in the butt to go and get this Sankofa Beer Company LLC registered and kind of getting this going. But um, that was kind of a first step to say, hey, we've got an opportunity to make this beer. Let's put it out there. Let's see if people buy it. If people buy it, let's talk about how we make this bigger. We did that. You know, we ended up taking our beers on tour for most of 2017. You know, so. 
Um, frankly, any private little space, anyone would let some homebrewers come in and f- cast their beer on their on their on their patrons for free, um, and people really enjoyed it. And we we had a lot of fun that year. We were super busy. I don't think I've brewed more homebrew beer in my life, but it was fun. Um, and and it was it was helping us to kind of refine in a lot in a different way, a lot more serious way, the recipes that we wanted to launch when we started a company. Um, and so for the Kickstarter, it's like okay, we've had a lot of fun this year. We've all these people seemingly kind of know that we want to do this, but how do we start to build this into a real brand? And that's where I would say the company really started to come together. You can see it kind of in our social media and how it's changed. And it was really around that Kickstarter space that we wanted to kind of get, you know, we've gotten serious about our product. Well, how do we get serious about the company, the brand and the way it looks and how we put ourselves forward? And that was very, very important um, as far as, you know, having success with Kickstarter. Um, you know the elements of that. I we had some really good people around around us. So shout out to Athena who worked very hard on uh, making sure that we were able to. You know we had the aesthetics and we looked the look. You know th- when we were out there asking for people to support us. And frankly, Kickstarter was yet another step. It was kind of like, well, let's have this campaign, and if people really, really do buy into what we're trying to do and they support us then we'll be able to raise this money. Um, and and once we raise the money, it's like, okay, well, you know, obviously we had a plan with what we were going to do with the money. Well, let's start putting this plan into action. And that's kind of what we've been focused on over the last, uh, it's almost been a year. I mean, we launched, um, and the Kickstarter ended December or January of 2018. Um, and we launched the company at the end of June. And so we're going on, you know, towards the end of our first run of our first year. It's been exciting. It's been exciting. Um, and so I can't thank everyone enough who did support us and continues to support us because um, we are, you know, this is just one step that's going to lead to another. Yeah. Great. Now, you also decided to start as contract brewing. Yes. And um, just one beer to begin yes. with. Was that part of the same process of deciding to use Kickstarter? Was there other reasons for it as well? Uh, yeah. Um, so um, the decide the decision to go um, contract versus just going out and, and building a brewery was um, ve- very similar to, we, you know, we both still had full-time jobs and, you know, proof of concept. You know, if why would I go build this brewery if I don't know people are going to buy into our, our story, our brand, um, and eventually like our products? Um, and so it was kind of a way for us to, and that's ultimately what the Kickstarter helped us do. It was kind of a way to lay the groundwork and get the licensing and get the contracts we needed um, and, and afford the in- inputs um, to be able to package and put a product out on the street and see if bars, restaurants, stores were even interested in, in buying our beer. Um, and, and I, you know, it's been great so far. Um, I think now you see me a lot more focused in um, well, how do we set down real roots and, and how do we find a space that, you know, we have a lot of people that contact us on a daily basis where, I'm sorry, where's your brewery again? And, and, and you know, how can I come out and see you? And, um, you know, and, and it, it's, you know, we had a we had a, just a tasting at a, at a new store the other day that just decided to pick us up and like to go there and just provide free tasters. And like someone came to touch base with me at that tasting because he's like, I've been trying to track you down and haven't been able to like find you, you know, at a place. And, um, 
yeah, uh, so I, I understand the importance of, of doing that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just out of, you know, us kind of test, testing our, our, our concept. And um, that's why we've kind of gone that route. Well, so where are, you, where are you actually brewing? Like, where are you making beer right now? So we rely heavily on the good nature of the relationships we've built um, in the area. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, they are business relationships. We do sure. pay people for their time and their space. Um, this beer came out of Calvert Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still finalizing the details for our next beer, so I don't want to say where sure. it's going to come out next, but it is going to be another brewery in the area. Um, and frankly, what we um, have tried to do is obviously build the relationships, but if there are people that are out there that have you know capacity on their systems, it's a huge help to, to people like me who are definitely interested in trying to find our feet, but maybe have a couple more steps to get to before we um, go out and open up our brewery. All right, hang on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's. It, it might. It might be time to move on. Yeah. So um, we were we were drinking the um, the hibiscus pale ale called hibiscus. Uh, the next beer we're gonna have coming out is called Harmaton Haze. Um, it's a wheat beer. There is no what I call special ingredient. So there's no like hibiscus to this beer. Um, it's just you know your 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 standard wheat beer. Um, it's got some great German hops. However, what's special about this beer is the name. Um, Harmaton um, is a season that kind of happens around the time that hurricane season starts here. And what really happens is the winds shift um, around North Africa, like over North Africa. They shift south. That kind of creates this cycle that blows wind off the West Coast towards the Americas and the Caribbean. And those are the winds that typically create the hurricanes that we have here, you know, August, September, October. Well, what also happens during that time period is that that wind that has shifted south also picks up all these dust particles and fine sand off the Sahara. And so if you're a country that's south of the Sahara during this time of year, you're very, very dusty. Um, you know, I can come and wipe this table down and two hours later you'll have a film of dust right back on top of it. And so um, there's, a, there's a situation sometimes where you wake up in the morning and it just looks really foggy and hazy. And it's not moisture. It's, well, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's a mixture of moisture, but it's, it's mostly these dust particles. And, and the scene that you kind of get is this sandy, yellowish, you know, hazy scene. And that's, that's why we chose this name um, for this beer because, you know, wheat beers are inherently that color. It's a very nice wheat beer. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, um, it's going to be great when, uh, when the weather when the weather really starts to heat up. Yeah, you get that great wheat beer flavor. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Very refreshing again. Really nice and light. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about sort of next steps for you yeah. guys. Um, you, you know, you talked a little bit about sort of starting to look at those things, but what's your timeline when, you know, you've, you've proof of concept and a lot of this out. You're, yeah. you're, you're working on another beer. So what's, what can we expect next from Sankofa? Um, you know, I try not to promise too much. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, on, in all, in all Under promise. Yeah, no. In, in, all, in, in all honesty, um, we're still focused on putting out good beer. Um, I think, yes, you know, the first beer went well. Um, I plan to try and get at least two out this year. I don't like to blame anyone for my circumstances, but the government shutdown kind of did put a damper on a plan for another beer we wanted to put out, and we kind of skipped that over to push it down to later this fall. Um, it's better for cold weather. Um, it's a chocolate milk stout. Yeah, um, and you don't want to be put into chocolate. Yeah, milk yeah, stout. <laughs> uh, you don't want that to come out in <laughs> like April. April. So, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, we we will we will push that to kind of a later fall release um, and and push up the uh, Harmaton Haze, which frankly I think is you know equal. Wait, equal tell me the name of good. this again. I just Harm- we, you t- 
Harmaton Haze. Harmaton. Yeah, Harmaton. Okay. Yeah, that is that is the name of this wheat beer that's right, going to come that we, out in a couple months. Right, that we were just months. talking yeah. about. Okay. Um, so, so with with that said, um, I definitely hope that we can have um, you know at least one, definitely one, if not two, of our own releases. And by own, um, I am also very excited to do some collaborations with folks in the area. You got collabs coming out uh, soon? I don't have any planned, actually. Okay. I've just, you know, we're always talking and it's like, yeah, yeah, we sure, should do sure, something. Sure. But um, it, it's actually kind of um, on my, you know, my year plan, I guess, to right. try and do at least two. Um, we did one. I guess it really counts for last year, but it, it came out this year. Um, we did uh, Saints Row in Rockville. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a collaboration with them. We, I think the brew, the beer was brewed back in October, maybe or November. But um, it was for Beer Baron's eighth anniversary. They had a cast festival, so right. we actually did a double black IPA um, infused with coffee from Ghana. Oh, nice! Um, yeah, a lot of people don't know we make really good coffee in Ghana. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was it was an amazing beer. But it was kind of like a one off, um, and so um, definitely looking to actively, you know, brew with a couple folks and put some really interesting things out because I've kind of got our lineup set for the next six, seven beers, but I still have interesting things that I want to do. Um, and sure. so collaborations are always great because you kind of get to dip into your bag a little bit, um, and that's always fun. You're still doing a lot of homebrew? Uh, I wish. Not as much, um, right? No. It gets, it's hard. No, it's yeah. so hard. Um, I kind of... I don't know. I have these like two months at the end of the year, like when it starts to get cold and, you know, there's not a lot of events and stuff happening, um, which is actually the best time to homebrew. So like November, you know, late October going into like November when the holidays are about to start, that's kind of when I get most of it in and I kind of go crazy. And um, I I do try and homebrew, though, um, at least a couple times because that's the only time like I'm by myself. No one's looking over my shoulder and I can like honestly just go out and experiment and um, I try to continue to work on beers because, I mean, when I get to the end of my, you know, seven beer list that I've perfected for now, you know, I've got a whole bunch of other recipes that I've got that I've just, you know, I've gotten them to a certain point, but just haven't kind of crystallized them. And that's what I need my homebrew time to kind of focus on being able to crystallize yeah. some of these other ideas I have. Yeah. Now, you said the government shutdown affected the release. How how um, did it affect it? The TTB closed, and so they yeah. have to approve our labels. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, we were definitely probably a little bit behind the ball, but um, I was not expecting the government to be shut down as long as it was. Very um, few people were. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's a conversation for another day. But, yeah, we just, you know, and for anyone that does work with the TTB, there's already a lead time. And imagine when they've been closed for a month already. And so... Um, you know, our labels have since been approved. So thank you guys working very hard over there at the TTB. But um, we we just decided to make a pivot. Yeah. So let's take this to a little bit of a higher level because um, we ask a lot of the brewers that we talk to on the show. So what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that that are facing breweries, uh, brew pubs in this sort of DMV in the in this area? And it's an interesting thing to talk about because, of course. We have a we have an interesting environment here that a lot of other places don't have, and that we deal with three different uh, jurisdictions. You know, so you know, you go to Asheville, or you go to you know, most other places where where Portland or you know New York, uh, where where brewing is you know craft breweries are a big deal. But here we've got you're dealing with Maryland, you're dealing with Montgomery County, you're dealing with. Virginia, and you're dealing with 
the you know, and you're dealing with the federal District government. of Columbia, yeah. and then you've got the federal government sort of sort of informing a lot of this. Yeah. So, so do you have any thoughts on sort of what's going on and, and what issues that the the brewing community is dealing with and what the challenges are? Yeah. So, I mean, um, I I tend and try to only speak for myself, um, but I I think. The fact that there are so many different jurisdictions is probably one of the biggest challenges to um, to brewers in the area, especially brewers that are like myself, small, trying to be up and coming. Um, being able to navigate all of the different jurisdictions takes time, it takes energy, I mean, it takes money, um, and that's that's kind of a big one too for for small breweries that may be. Um, not institutionally capitalized uh, to be able to find their footing in the markets. Um, that's definitely a big challenge. It's um, I have a lot of relationships in Maryland, but you cannot find our beer in Maryland, um, particularly because of how Montgomery County is, right? right? Um, and I'll, I'll go out and say that. But it's it's it would be nice. It's I'm a realist in the fact that I understand these are three different you know DC states um, <laughs> that that. That have their own different populations and see things different ways and 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 make their own rules and I, and I get that but at the same time if 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 we can come together and understand how important it is to work together for things like metro then why is it not important for us to kind of work together on all of the different industries that are kind of becoming the backbone for this area um, and I think when you find more um, consistency because again. Th- you know, at least for Northern Virginia and parts of Maryland and DC, this kind of metro area that we look at, it's not that big of a place, right? Not but geographically, you have, yeah, no, not yeah. geographically, and but you have a lot of different types of people and a lot of different types of things that are trying to take place, and and if there could be some consistency, I think that uh, that would help a lot. Um, but but at the same time, listen, places are different, and and I I understand I understand that, and um, you know, my my biggest thing about the area is that I always say that. We've got a lot of diversity in population. I'm not seeing it in the beer yet, though. Hmm. Um, like even in Asheville, you can you yeah. can go there and you're geographically in the same exact place, but you're getting so many different things, you know, by all the different breweries that are there. And I, I don't know. I just I just feel sometimes, and maybe it's because of the transient nature of this metro area that, um, in certain cases, we may play less to what the local roots are and more to what's cool around, right? Because everyone's coming here. Well, you know, I, I've, I've seen some people who I never thought would do a hazy IPA do them. Right. And it's right. like, oh, yeah. okay. I mean, I don't mind it. Like, I don't ever want anyone to damper my creativity, right? So, but I didn't think that was your thing. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so, you know... I, I that's what I kind of want to see in the in the air. I just want to see more diversity of product. I want to see people really kind of stepping into their own and not feeling like they have to do certain things just to be popular. And I, I get it, money's also very important, and you and you need to make sure you're running an adequate business. But um, I, I really would love to see uh, more diversity, and I, I think. Um, um, well, frankly, diversity in product and consumer, um, sure. and, and I and I think when you look at you know when you look at the formula, this area has all the inputs, um, mm-hmm. and and so it's just a matter of kind of you know building bridges and, and and bringing those things together, and that's kind of what we try and do with Sankofa. It's it's um, you know you I, I realize that there's not a lot of people that look like me that are doing what I'm doing, um, and so. 
I, I try to do what we do in a way that's approachable for folks who may not be your traditional craft beer consumers um, and and create a product that still is good enough for people who are um, craft beer consumers because that's 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 me right and so I don't I don't want to ever put out like yes there's a brand yes there's a story but at the end of the day like we make beer right and I want to make good beer yeah. um, and I and I want people like it's great if you say they have an amazing label or I love their story or I really had a good time at their beer event what makes me happy what makes me be able to sleep at the end of the day is when people say I really love their beer um, yeah. so well, I really love your beer. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, I mean, you just said it. There's not a lot of representation in the beer industry as a whole. Has that affected you at all? Um, honestly, in this area, no. Or not that I know of. Um, things work that way sometimes, too. But yeah. no, not not that I know of. I, I've, um, you know, have I heard of other people's experiences in other areas? Absolutely. Um, but I, I've always felt bad and have said, well, I guess fortunately that's not been our experience. And, and this um, – We've been shown a lot of love. Um, people have been very supportive of, of supportive of what we're trying to do. Um, but at the same time, like you said, we do things a little different than most people do. And so people approach us or kind of find out about us in different ways. Um, and I think that's kind of helped um, um, get such a diverse following. I mean, if you look at the people that follow us on social media, they're like, you know, very localized, but it's, uh, you know, they run the gamut. Um, and, and I'm really proud and really excited about that because I think when you, when you have diversity around your product, it, it makes it, it makes it that much better of a brand. Um, and, and I think what you're going to find is, and listen, I'm, I'm starting to see it, you know, whenever I think someone, something is like, you know, big, it's like commercial. So, uh, you know, commercially I'm starting to see that, you know, a lot of breweries, it's becoming a thing. I'm, you know, you look at Dr. J with the BA and like diversity is becoming a very big thing. And you've got a lot of these larger breweries that are, you know, I won't name anyone, but they're starting to kind of tap in and understand to say, Hey, listen, there's this whole other community out here that, there's been this myth that they don't drink beer, but no one doesn't necessarily do anything. It's you kind of do what you're exposed to. Um, and, and so I think people are starting to understand that. And it's been very exciting for me to kind of see even just the different, like the can labels, the different releases, just the things that are starting to come out that are starting to, starting to be more representative of the world we actually live in. Um, and so I think this area is going to be poised to really – um, for lack of a better term, cash in on that. I guess I shouldn't say that, but um, <laughs> um, but I, I I think you know, I mean this this area has proven to already be a model for you know what diverse communities can look like, um, and and so yeah, you know people say the market's saturated. I I don't necessarily agree. I think there's room for more breweries and and more creativity. We don't want the same thing, but I think there's room. Um, and, and when people start to see that diversity, you'll start to see different types of communities rally around the industry, and it will make us that much stronger. Excellent. All right. So you, you basically have, just to sort of bring this, bring this home for, for the listeners, you've got one beer out in the marketplace right now, yes. and that's your Hypebiscus. Correct. Where can people find that beer? Sure. So we're more bar restaurant heavy. So the the simple answer to the question is if you go to our website, www.sankofabeer, S-A-N-K-O-F-A-B-E-E-R.com, um, there is a beer section or where to buy. 
we keep that pretty up to date. So that's the easiest place to just go and figure out, you know, where can I get a six pack? We're, we're kind of bar restaurant heavy. Um, so you can go look for those places as well. But just to name a few, um, and I will leave some people out, but just to name a few, um, I was at Good Foods Markets yesterday on Rhode Island Avenue. They just started picking us up. Um, they have an interesting offer for people who, especially just getting to know us and just want to try and see what it's all about. They have singles. So if you oh, nice. so if you yeah. just want a single can, you can go to Good Food Markets and pick one up. Um, also, if you are on H Street, um, Smith Public Commons is an, is uh, is one of our accounts. You can go to Red Rocks and get our beer um, on U Street. If you've ever been to Appio's, Ben's next door, just to name a few places where you can get it. But um, always trying to pick up some more. I actually have a new restaurant that's going to pick us up um, at two locations on H Street and U Street. Um, nice. So yeah, I mean we're we're growing, but smallly. I think you know what kind of what I'm interested in doing. And again, fo- being very focused on you know the quality of the brand and the quality of the product is trying not to grow too fast, too quick. Right. Um, I I want to be known for having a great experience around my brand, and I and we want to be known for having a good product. Um, and so. That's also to answer your question from earlier, why don't I have three, four, five beers out right now? It's because I'm compete I'm already competing against other breweries. I don't want to compete against myself. Um, and I feel like it's hard. I don't know, are you guys music fans at all? Yeah, yeah. 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 So you remember like when an album used to come out and like you were just stuck with that as new music for a while. Right. And nothing yep. new came out for a while. Yeah. That's how you were able to become intimate with that piece of work. Yeah, listen to it yeah. over, over and, and over and over and over. And over, and over, and over again. And you knew it all. Yeah, no, yeah. I, exactly. Absolutely. If I if I if I came out with five albums at once, yeah, you might listen to one over and over and over again, but you'll never really get the time and energy that I put into the other ones. Or, sure. Or you may really like one of those other beers, but pass it over because I had five at the time and you just never really went for that or that color didn't catch your eye or whatever the case may be. And so that that's kind of that's kind of the reasoning behind that as well. Okay. So you're trying yeah. to introduce attention span back to the American public. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can claim to do that, but um but yeah, no, I, I, I do I do we I understand we're bringing something to the marketplace and I want people to um well you know, as much as you can, I want you to appreciate that if you support us. All right. Well, listen, Kofi Moreau with Sankofa Beer Company, thank you so much for joining the Brew Daddies on the DC Beer Show. We really appreciate your taking the time. We love the uh, Hibiscus beer and encourage everybody to, to get out and try that. Uh, Hopefully the wheat beer will be coming out soon yes, as well. Yes, yes. No, it's, it's coming. It's definitely coming. Looking forward to that. Coming. Thank you guys for having me. You guys are great. Uh, Really happy to be here. Definitely uh, look out for Sankofa Beer Company in the market. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Sankofa Beer. Again, that's S-A-N-K-O-F-A Beer. And go to our website, www.sankofabeer.com. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. And all of you out there, please remember to uh, give uh, the DC Beer Show uh, reviews. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, remember to always check out what's going on at the calendar at dcbeer.com. You can always find out what's going on in the area and what the latest in the beer scene is. And remember, always drink great beer. Yes.